Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean, thanks for joining us. Glad you are here with us as we talk about financial matters here at... Uh First weekend in February. In the Allworth Studios. The Allworth high Studios. atop the Strip Center in downtown Folsom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> One of those kind of... Uh, it's uh, an upscale mall. Outdoor mall. Yeah, it's an upscale. Thing. That's where our office is located. Upscale? Yeah, it, uh, mid-market. It's got a North Center's rack where I grew up. That's I upscale. Was in, um, you know, it's really interesting. I hadn't been to a mall and um, Actually, I didn't go into the mall, but... <clears throat> Uh, last weekend, I was in the Bay Area with my wife for um, for a volleyball tournament and went to a mall in uh, Pleasanton area, which is a nice suburb of the Bay Area. They must have had two or three anchor stores completely gone. Oh, yes. This is a big mall right by the freeway, an area of where housing is very expensive. Three major anchors completely shuttered. And the the buildings actually started looking disarray. They hadn't like put any money to even keep up the facade or the parking lot. And it just got me thinking about it. Got me thinking about how how things change over time. Consumers change. How we behave changes. How we consume things changes. How we socialize and businesses change. I mean, you think back to some of these businesses that were the hot hot commodity: Sears and Roebuck, yeah, Montgomery Ward. My father worked at Montgomery Ward selling appliances back in the day. And at one point in time, I remember I was in the sixth or seventh grade. I I couldn't understand. Like, I found out that, like, Montgomery Ward owned, was it Greyhound Bus and Dial Soap? And it was a big conglomerate at one point in time and how things, like, grew together and splintered apart. and, And that was back when the day when the commercials for Greyhound Bus said it was the window seat to America. I'm amazed they're still in business. There's a there's a are they for. a government sponsored entity? I don't, I don't believe so. But no? this is a financial show. Uh, as we started out, we take your my calls point and with questions. this. My point you mentioned Mon, it got me think. My point with that is that a winning business is not a winning business forever. And if you look at the S and P five hundred, the companies that make up that today, they're not the same companies that made it up ten years ago or twenty years ago. Matter of fact, you go back thirty years, you'd. You wouldn't even recognize, like, where what happened to all these companies? Yeah, where'd they go? And some of some them reinvented them. Yes, reinvented themselves. Some went out of business. Some I mean, like, in, Intel is a prime example. Okay, we, let's remember talk about the 90s, Intel. The, their stock has just been hammered the last year. They're, they lost uh, billions last quarter. You want to talk about it? A, a, a company, I and mean, they make computer chips. Remember the. It was six months ago Congress passed the chip bill with billions of dollars of our grandkids' money they're going to use to build more. <laughs> no, and now there's no demand for chips. There's, no there's no oversupply, demand. right? <laughs> and but but Intel was the hot flyer for many years, and from an investment standpoint, if you own individual securities as opposed to indexes or managed funds, if you own individual securities. You you really need to be on top of what's going on with those companies and ask yourself, would I buy this company today? That's with what I know about this company. Would I buy this company today? The, the stock doesn't know you own it. You know you own it, but the stock doesn't care. And so I see people have an allegiance to individual securities stocks that it's mind-boggling to me as to why they have some sort of – and they well, say, maybe well, they worked there. Maybe. They inherited it. That's a big one. Dad always told me never sell whatever the company is. Yes. Or maybe it has done so well for them over the years that there's the belief that it's going to come back and do it again. It's That is why when we talk about diversification, it, and especially you think about real estate. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine who's in corporate finance and he said very he, – he has, he, he has a tendency to be a little cynical. 
He said he is in corporate finance. He is in corporate finance. (laughs) You want them to be slightly cynical. He 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 said he thinks one of the big push for the big banks, the Goldmans of the world, the big city groups to push people back to the offices in downtown New York is because of their own investment in the office buildings (laughs) in downtown New York. (laughs) He said because if Goldman comes back, then the then they could other smaller companies will push point at them and say, well, everyone from Goldman came back or everyone from City came back. You need to come back. And I thought to myself, he might have something because a lot of those buildings are actually... They're still not coming back. They're still not coming back. (laughs) We have the same thing in our own organization. (laughs) I think it was last Thursday I was walking around. uh, Our studio's in our office. And our policy at Allworth is uh, three days a week in the office... Is what we'd like you to do. <laughs> we'd like you to. <laughs> More if, if you've got client needs that, that demand that. Yeah, and oftentimes what you'll see is client-facing people will be in the but office it was like a, a lot. It looked like a ghost town. And it, it, it feeds on itself because people come in and like, well, none of their colleagues are here, so what's the point of coming in? I might as well just dial it in from, uh, yeah. from my bedroom on my Zoom call or whatever. Anyway, this is a – if you want to – this show is, is – we typically talk about financial matters, which – That was. This is. Uh, and take your calls, um, and everyone else will have some interesting guests. If you want to be part of the program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. We just finished January. Uh, the stock market had a phenomenal month of, of January. Uh, as, as they say, there goes so goes January, so goes the year. Who is they? They. <laughs> the proverbial They. <laughs> That's what they say, so we should all feel really good about it. That, or that you also look at the, where we are in the election cycle. You can look at all kinds of things. None of them mean anything. Yeah. Earnings mean something. Earnings mean something, and the economy means something. Yes. So, uh, we've asked Andy Stout, our chief investment officer, to join us for a bit because the Federal Reserve uh, raised rates this last week and made some other announcements. The stock market was down during the day, and then when they made the announcement, the majority of it was back up. So, Andy, uh, thanks for taking some time to be with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what happened this week with, with the feds? Why did the markets turn around midday? Yeah. After most everyone actually, what was it? Wednesday, the markets opened in the morning, they're down. The announcement's coming out. Everyone that expecting that there's going to be an increase, but the markets are down and then it ends up just like I mean, that one day. What, what? Yeah, the S&P was up, finished up one percentage point. The Nasdaq finished up two full percentage points, two percent in one day. That's a big swing. Yeah. yeah. So what? Tell yeah, us what you think. The day, during the day, the market was down a lot. People were expecting Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell to come out and really be hawkish, meaning that he wants to talk up interest rate hikes to fight inflation, to make sure that inflation keeps going down on its trend. However. Markets turned very, very quickly when Chair Powell said these four words. I guess five, we don't put the the word the in front of it. The disinflationary process has started. At that exact moment, markets flipped around, starting to see the end is in sight. So he said... I'm glad it wasn't. It's different this time. He's former. He's a former. Like, <laughs> he he said this may be the last of it. Is that what uh, people read into it? Or well, no, I don't. No, no, no. Because he he did say a few times in his press press conference about how there is a couple of more uh, rate hikes coming. But the fact that he acknowledged the disinflationary process that it's begun, markets really keyed in on that, and the fact that the end is in sight. And if you look at where market pricing is. The, the market's expecting one more quarter point rate hike. And, and just that, so can you explain uh, to us all what, when you say the market's priced that in, how, like, where are you getting those? Yeah, how can you say that? Yeah. You what say it with great in? confidence, yes. by the way, uh, which we appreciate. But how do you know the market's priced it in? What I look at is what's called Fed Fund Futures. These are securities that are bought and sold by market participants, think of the people on Wall Street, if you will. And these securities will trade based on where the Fed funds rate is expected to be at these upcoming meetings. For example, we have a meeting on March 22nd. So there is a security tied directly to that. 
and directly to where the Fed fund futures currently is versus where it's expected to be. And if you look at the current market pricing of that, it suggests there's 0.817 rate hikes uh, priced in for that meeting. So almost a hike, full hike is priced in, and then uh, it's expected to get up to 1.2 uh, by May. So essentially, one rate hike is what's expected over the course of the next two meetings, most likely in March. So looking at what's called Fed fund futures. And so when you said that it was priced in three quarters of 1%, is is that what happened in the Fed fund rate? Did I read those numbers? Well, right? that's for the upcoming March meeting. So when we looked at what was priced in for today, we looked at the values yesterday on these Fed fund futures. We had a full rate hike price. in. so the market was 100% expecting this occurrence to happen. What the market really liked, though, is when he started talking about the disinflationary process. But what the when we're talking about market pricing, there's still a disconnect between where the pricing is and what Chair Powell said. He's saying there's a couple more hikes. There's only one hike priced into the market right now. Then there's rate there's a rate cut priced in later on this year. So there's still that disconnect uh, when you look at what's going on out there. And so when you say so, we're talking about the bond market or bond futures market here, correct? Um, kind you, of. Federal fund. I mean, so, it's, you can bet on everything. Yeah, correct, is, correct, yeah. correct. But, you're, but, but then you're saying that the equities market take a key off that. Oh, 100%. 100%. So everything is, you know, keyed off this and everything. I mean, everybody knows these prices. So it's all expected. It's all priced in when you look at these different probabilities. So there was no, no, no surprise from that perspective. What do you think would have happened if the markets, if he hadn't raised, this is just speculation, obviously, if interest rates hadn't been raised a quarter of a percent this week? Well, I, markets probably would have you know, taken off and just, went ex like just nosebleed to territories <laughs> higher and higher because what the market's been hoping for over the past year, and every time you see these rallies, Sometimes they don't last, uh, but when you see them, they seem to be centered around the expectation that the Federal Reserve is about to pivot away from all these uh, quick rate hikes. Uh, now, once the end is here and the end's in sight, it's a new story, but you know we're not there yet. And if it would have happened, oh yeah, it just would have went exponential. Well, I think time will tell if that's right. The work, the, what they've done actually has any impact on what impact it has on inflation. And, and do you think that uh, lower wage growth is slowing? Well, I think I know the answer to that is slowing in the inflationary environment. Is that having? Yeah, it, it's definitely slowing and it's definitely having an impact on the broader inflationary market. We're seeing the impact from the Federal Reserve's rate hikes uh, have an impact on uh, the economy. We're seeing that in multiple ways. Inflation is one area that we're seeing it. The thing that the Fed doesn't know is what is the extent that the impact has had on the economy, because their effect happens with a lag. So they make a rate hike or cut or whatever they do, but in this case, lots of hikes over the past year, there's generally about a six-month lag before those rate uh, hikes really start to affect the economy. And they don't know exactly how it's going to affect the economy. They just know it's going to affect the economy. Oh, yeah, they have they have no clue. I mean, there's a few things we can know for sure, like, like when rates go up, short-term rates, that's going to result in mortgage rates going up, and that can slow down the housing market. That's probably the most obvious thing. Outside of that, it becomes a little, not a little bit, a lot muddier. So they don't know what it's going to do to employment or capital investment, or they have an idea, but they can't really, I mean, they're just, they're throwing things at the wall and just seeing, you know, if it, if it, what happens, right? And then measuring the next time and throwing more at the wall or not throwing at the wall. That's exactly right. And that's why it's been pretty common for the Federal Reserve to, has, to have hiked us into recessions in the past, meaning they don't know when to let <laughs> their right. foot off the gas there. And we end up you know, going into the ditch. So when, when you read the paper, it says soft landing, soft landing, soft landing. I, I'm always like, does that mean it's, a recession or not a recession, or is it a not a major recession? Or I think you just squeak by without without a recession. That's a soft yeah. landing. Yeah, basically they get inflation under control, slow the economy down because they do want to slow the economy down to bring down inflation, but they slow down just enough to make sure inflation's uh, on its path to two percent, 
and the economy does continue to grow. So whether or not we get that proverbial uh, soft landing, you know, time will tell. The Fed does not have a great track record <laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, but I will say, you know, from a starting point, the job market is, you know, still pretty strong, and that's giving the Fed a little bit of leeway there. So I do have a question that is off of this. It, 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 I was reading a um, some statistics about um, the employment participation rate, and they said that it was the lowest employment participation for males between the ages That's of twenty five and fifty four in the history of since they've started t- statistics. So this isn't unemployment numbers; these are participation rates for males between twenty five and fifty four. And my friend and I were talking about it, and he's in finance too. And I said, "Well, where? What? What? Who are these people? Where do they go? And how? How do they live without a job?" Any idea? Well, well, here's a, there's a big problem with that headline you saw there. That statistic did not begin to be tracked until t- like 2001. So it's not much history there. Good enough. Thank you. That was, so do you believe that, that, that the participation rate is at an all-time low? You would have no idea. We'd have no idea. We'd just be guessing at that point in time. Oh, we have 20 years of data. Yes, it's not enough. Well, it's low for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a structural change going on in the world today uh, just with retirement. But there's just not enough history to say one way or the other. Well, I got to tell you, I have three boys uh, almost between the ages of 25 and 54. And if they want to join that statistic, <laughs> I'm not, not, not even welcome for They wouldn't even welcome for Christmas at the McLean household That's if they're not right. working. <laughs> not, not, this is non-participant. Not the McLeans, where you get, every day they wake up to a list of chores, right? And come home, here's the list. Here's the work you're going to do. Work, work, work. <laughs> Is that not the McLean household? <laughs> might, I'm going to instill a work ethic in my kids. You might have a little, there might be a little truth to that. So there's a hundred percent participation rate at your uh, household there, Pat? <laughs> there is a hundred percent employee participation. Hey, Andy, uh, thanks for taking a little time with us. Appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Pat. All right. Let's see. Him. Always. Uh, I, I, I was, it's, it's funny. I was talking about my wife. Should I share this? You share when it's too late now. Your wife doesn't listen to the show, though. No, no, it's not about her. Oh. It's about this topic. And uh, just talking about, I think we were talking about retirement. I'm 56, so sometimes people ask me, Scott, when are you retiring? Because I guess I'm getting retired. I look old, right? <laughs> and and I've been doing this since 1990s when I started in the industry, right about the same time you did, Pat. And I've, I've, I've guided hundreds several hundred people from the workplace to retirement. Help personally. Them personally. Help them through that process. Not counting the people that um, have called in there in the radio program, that sort of thing. So, or the thousands of people t- in the firm. And I was telling my wife, I said, um, sometimes you'd meet this couple, and you'd, I'd always want to get, get to know them, and, oh, what, what kind of work do you do? And the, the guy would say, oh, I'm retired. Oh, how long have you been retired? 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. What a deadbeat. Like, okay. And my wife said to me, well, if there was a couple and it was uh, a, a woman who said that, that she, you, what would you, I, you would just assume she was a homemaker? And I said, well, I suppose. <laughs> there you go. I got, that's why I got in trouble. Like, uh, yeah. Well, I, well, that's a little old school thinking. That's what my point was. That's yes. Why, yeah. yeah. It is a little old school thinking. But I got to. But I still think at times I feel the same way. I am old school. I'm sixty. I'm. I'm just saying my bias. That's what I would think. Yes. Yes. Guy hasn't worked in twenty five, thirty years. He's a deadbeat. Wife hasn't worked in twenty five, thirty years. Homemaker. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I actually. But in all fairness, I look at. I know. In all fairness, I have. I have had friends that stayed home and and took care of the kids and. Um, and drove to school. To. And, I have to. and by the way, I'd much rather go to work. I wouldn't do it. I couldn't imagine. It's hard. It's hard. No. I, I mean, I still got a, I have a 12-year-old still in the house. Right. So and remember, like, you know. these views of Scott and Pat are not necessarily the views of Allworth and its employees or sponsors. What sponsors? 
We don't have any sponsors, okay. but that you hear him say that all the time. <laughs> we have no sponsors. Yes. We have no sponsors. All right. Let's um let's go to the calls here. Eight three three nine nine worth is our number. We're talking with Mark in South Carolina. Mark, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hey, gentlemen, how are we doing today? Fantastic. What can we Thanks do for, for you, Mark? Call. I have uh, three quick questions. I'm hoping you can answer them pretty quick. Um, my first one is I have an investment property, and I'm trying to decide if I should sell it, take the proceeds, pay off my other rental property, and put the remaining into a 529 for my kids. Okay. So I, I just can't decide. The house is vacant right now. I'm paying the mortgage. I could rent it back out with a tenant, or I could just sell it. And what's so, the value of the property? So the value of the property that I wanted to sell is about five hundred and fifty thousand. And what do you owe on it? I owe two seventy seven. And what'd you pay for it? I paid three eighty two. And what's the interest rate? Three point one two five. Okay. And what's the rent for uh, this place? About three thousand a month. How old's the property? Uh, two thousand one. Uh. Wow. Okay. And it would rent for 3000 a month. All right. And you have another property that you were thinking of taking the proceeds and paying, uh, if you sold this one and paying it off. Correct. What, tell us about the other property. So the other one is a townhome. It's, I paid 120 for it. It's worth about 170. I owe 90, 92 on it. And what's it rent for? Uh, 1300 a month. What was What's, the value again? Uh, one seventy, and it rents for. And tell me about your primary residence. So I own a primary residence. I paid three forty. It's worth about four twenty five. I owe three seventeen on it. It's brand new, only a year old. How old are you? Forty nine. How many kids do you have? Two kids divorced. Two kids getting ready to go to one getting ready to go to college. And what, how much money do you make a year? About 150 grand. And how much money do you have in 401ks, and IRAs, that uh, sort of thing? 850 in 401ks and Roth IRAs. And do you need money to, no. if your kids are ready to go to college, um, funny what's enough, dri what's, dri what's driving this question right now? So I, that's the, well, I, I Oddly enough, I hear I listen to you guys all the time. I'm just tired of being a landlord. Okay, well, okay. I get it. That's why. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't sell either of these. Um, if you were my little brother, I'd say suck it up. This has been yeah. a great investment for you. Uh, at that interest rate, I believe it will be a, continue to be a great investment. Uh, if your interest rate was a variable rate interest rate and it was higher, I might feel a little bit differently. You're going to actually probably suffer a little bit of downdraft in your value. You're in South Carolina. What part of South Carolina are you from? Charleston. Okay. And I would pay 15% of my salary, 15% capital gain on that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. use those proceeds. It doesn't matter what you do with gain. it. doesn't matter with it. Unless okay, you gave no. it to charity. No, unless he, he he transferred it to another property. He did a 1031. Yeah. But well, I can't I, pay off another property. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. That's correct. Okay. And you can't transfer to a, a, the other property that you own either. No. So it, you'd you'd be at the same place. Um, I mean, unless you said, I mean, the, the, the smaller rental is yielding about 9% gross yield from the rent yeah. relative to the price. This other one, the large one's at, at uh, six and a half percent. So if you thought to yourself, "Oh, maybe I should sell the bigger one," I, you, let me exchange, which you could do a tax-free exchange. Let me exchange the two, the large one, and two, two smaller ones. The problem is you've got a mortgage at three and a, an eighth percent. It, yeah, that would cost you six and a half percent today for a non-owner. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And, but I don't want to buy another property. I'm, I'm going to take that's that's college money in that house. Understand. Um, but can you afford college without selling the property? Well, I mean, they, yeah, probably. Yeah, lower I mean, your. I, I, I've kind of earmarked that that house for college. That was in your head. It was in my head for the past. I've owned the house seven years, six years, and ever since I bought it, I've in my head. Okay, this is. College. Why don't you have your kid take student loans and? Um... Well, I listened to you guys last weekend, and I'm talking to my ex-wife about that right now. Oh, it, it, <laughs> okay, it, and it's a, it's such. You know, <laughs> Morally, ethically, I struggle with it, but then at the same time, I'm like, 
This Congress sets the Congress, the administration. They, they're the ones who say this is the this is the rules to the game. But, but but I'm assuming that you're a relatively new listener, Mark. We've been saying it for five, six years. No, I've been listening to you guys oh. for like four years. Oh yeah, yeah. that that yeah. It, it's that that we would expect legislation to change, and if it will be highly subsidized, which it is now, or outright free. Um, if you can afford, even if you had to lower your contributions to your 401ks and your IRAs, you're still much better off um, putting less money away towards your retirement and funding their education with cash out of earnings Fair rather enough. than sell this property. Okay, good advice. I have uh, two more quick questions. Sure. We're we're gonna, no, yeah. we're fine. We're fine. Yeah, we're going to put you on hold for just a second and because uh, we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Matt McLean. All right, we're talking with Mark in Charleston, South Carolina. So you had a second question for us. I did. Well, I have two more, and then I can make them quick. No, we're so fine. My company, just start, my company just started offering a Roth 401k. I've been contributing to a Roth IRA from a different brokerage house. What's the difference? Is there any? Uh, yeah, there's significant differences uh, between the two. <laughs> I was about to say none, really. <laughs> so. No, they're significant. Huh? Oh, between a Roth IRA and a Roth 401k. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't any. Okay. I was thinking between <laughs> like, a regular. Where's Pat going with this? <laughs> no, I was thinking between a regular, um, between a regular IRA and a Roth IRA. Uh, there, there is it. The only difference is that you can borrow from your Roth four hundred one k. Right, right now, you're uh, ma you're maximizing your four hundred one k. Is that right on a pre tax basis? Yes, sir. And then yes. you're you're also saving on a Roth IRA in addition. Yes, sir. I think if I were in your situation, that's 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 how I'd approach this as well. So because, you don't even bother with the company Roth 401k? Well, you're going to have less spendable income if you make those deposits with the Roth. And you have 800, would you right. say 850 in there? Yeah. You're 49 Roth years of Roth. age? What's yeah. the tax I mean, rate in um, South Carolina? Think, uh, 20. 20. Uh, 22? No, 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 the state income tax. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, nine, I think. Is I'm the max? Not really sure. Not really sure. Do you think you're going to move to Florida? Uh, no, not yeah. yet. You've not far enough east to move to Florida, or not far enough northeast to move to Florida. He's in Charleston. I know. Why would you want to leave Charleston? <laughs> I don't. I, I thought Charleston <laughs> was a beautiful place. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, not much difference. <laughs> no, I, I think. Like, I, you're, you're, what's your mix right now between Roth and and traditional? Uh, you mean a four hundred one k in my Roth? Yeah, I mean, you've got 401k yeah. and maybe some old IRAs. So I got 560 in a 401k and about 150 in a Roth. I think I'd continue the same strategy. I would strategy. do the same thing. Especially, okay. especially what if you're funding the kids' education out of pocket. Doing the, that too. It, yeah, yeah, doing the Roth is going to give you less spendable income. That's right. And you, if you continue on the path, you are, your, your standard of living should be higher in retirement. But your income will probably be lower. So right now, right. your income is fairly high. You're saving a bunch into your 401k, saving into the Roth IRA, and supporting children. <laughs> so, Got it. Um, you, you're not going to need to replace as much, and, and so your income will probably be a little you're, you're doing a great job. And your third question for us. And Okay, real quick. So my company just popped on me last year that they're only allowing me to put up to 6% into my 401k. I do turn 50 this year, so I have to catch up, which is good. But they're limiting me to 6%, uh, but they're offering a non-qualified compensation plan. What is that? I, I, okay, I don't so that's a top-heavy plan. You have what's called a top-heavy. So I, I'm, I'm guessing you work in some sort of either trucking or manufacturing where there's a few. The sales. I mean, liquor sales. Okay, so there's a few <laughs> highly paid people and then not that many highly paid people, people delivering the liquor or whatever, right? So there's – a bunch of people at the top that make a ton of money, and then there's not much in the middle, and then there's a bunch of people with lower income. Fair statement? Yes. Okay. So, so what you have is it's 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 a it's a qualifier on the plan, which makes your plan top heavy. They could get around that. They could put three percent in for everyone, and it's called a safe harbor rule. But I don't know if you want to go to management and recommend that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, so unfortunately you're limited. A, a non-qualified deferred compensation plan. So when you put money in a 401k, you are electing to have some of your paycheck put into in this account that's essentially, think of it as a, as a trust set up for you. It's your dollars in your name for your retirement. Not the company's name. Should the company go bust, doesn't really matter. It's totally protected. A non-qualified deferred compensation plan it's a it's it's a company that the savings goes into a company's asset and then the company has a liability and should the company run into financial problems you become a creditor to the company just like everybody else just like everyone else so there's a lot more risk in a non-qualified deferred compensation plan than there you can't roll it over at retirement you have oftentimes you have to elect your payout when you sign up for it years in advance so would you contribute to it? I wouldn't. It depends on the company. I wouldn't. I mean, we're, we employ six, 7,000 people. I mean, yeah, 7,000 people. We do like $10 billion a year. I mean, we're not a huge company. Well, so did Enron. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they're in the no, liquor I'm, business. I'm a little I, different. Okay. <laughs> what can I do to maximize I mean, my I'm, supply and demand might <laughs> fluctuate a little, but not a lot. But there's nothing else I can do to maximize my retirement savings. I've contributed to my yes. IRA. I, you can you can I mean, just save in a uh, non qualified so account. What, like, would, uh, would you, Scott? Would you put it into it? We had years ago. We were we had an offer to put money in a non qualified deferred compensation plan. Um, it in years a relation, ago when, yeah, and we didn't do it. That's correct. Well, at forty nine. At forty nine. I, I would mean, do, I get to like with the company's matching. I get to like eighteen thousand dollars a year. So I'm short like. What five thousand something like that, whatever. So I mean, it just bugs me that I can't put the full maximum amount there. But so you're not that far away. Yeah. So you're talking about five grand a year. Yeah. I would just buy the total market out outside and treat it like it was a Roth. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would not. I. I wouldn't. What's the point? Your job is relying on them. You've got a, yeah. a, a. There's got all sorts of rules around it. They're non-qualified. They don't. It, it's held as an asset of the company. If you were, if you, if you said, "Wow, I, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm going to be making a million bucks a year for the next three years. My income's typically you know, two hundred thousand. Then, and you had a lot of confidence in the company. All right, then maybe a non, non-qualified deferred compensation plan makes sense. But at this point, I can't. Like, what's it matter? It, it, it's like you're not. It, the, the risk return isn't there. I don't think it's so. It's just something you shouldn't even worry about. So only go Fair as enough. far as the qualified and don't go <laughs> any more than the non-qualified deferred compensation. That's and what just, I'll do then. Yeah, and use the money to pay for the kid's education and or yeah. uh, buy the total market. But either which way, you'll be fine. You're a great saver. I could put it into 529, that you, extra five grand. You could. Yeah. You could. That's actually That's a great, great idea. And, you know, the 529 plans now, if they don't use it, you can roll $35,000 into the kid's Roth. I saw that. I thought it's your own Roth. Is it the kid's Roth? It's the child's Roth. I was, But that becomes effective in only a couple of years out from now, right? Not yes. Today. Yeah. I was excited about it because I thought I'd be able to get money into my kid's Roth and then move it into my name. Take it back away from him. Yes, and that would be great for me. But then when you read it, it was in the kid's name. Uh, haven't these kids taken enough from us already? Yes. yes. <laughs> hey, yeah, Mark. I appreciate all your help. All right, Thank thanks. You. Great job. Great saver. Thanks. Great saver. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah, for it. sure. Particularly, particularly going through divorce. 49 years of age. Divorce, it is, from a financial standpoint, it's a disaster. It real and the rest of it's good. I guess it can be. <laughs> there are clearly times when it's a necessity, right? But um and you look at like gray divorces on the like people that 55, 60. You've seen it. I've had clients. Uh, I have friends. Retired and two years later they're getting divorced and, and you're thinking, your lifestyle's I mean, you you have a finite amount of assets already set aside for retirement. That's cutting it a little close and now you're you're gonna want to support two households yeah so from a financial standpoint figure out a way to make the, the marriage continue to work because it's a if possible it's a i'm not gonna weigh in there i don't live in their marriage what's that 
I don't live in people's marriage. I don't know how happy or unhappy they are. Have you seen marriages that were looked on the rocks and then recovered, and then the couples were happy again afterwards? Yes. Okay, well then, <laughs> okay, a little then. more encouragement. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Excellent point. It's always... that's, that's, that reminds me of the time years ago. Uh, this woman, uh, this, this couple came in uh, to my office, meet them for the first time, and uh, they've been together for... How many years you guys been married? I think I asked. Oh, we're not married. I said, no, we've been living together for 26 years. Something like that. And I said, totally jokingly, I look at the guy and said, when are you going to make her an honest woman? Which is just like 1955 <laughs> all over again. So we're, This show's going to be canceled came, with comments they like came that. In, they came in two weeks later and she's with a, she had a ring on. She says, Scott, we took your advice. I said, what advice? So we got married. I said, I was joking. I, I don't know if you should have got married or not. Like, <laughs> So I should stay away from any sort of marital talk or divorce talk. <laughs> what do you ask him to do next? I'd like you to paint your house purple, bright purple. <laughs> then come back. Scott, we did it. <laughs> All right. Let's continue with calls here. Uh, this is All Worth Money Matters. 833-99-WORTH is to join the program. We're talking with Bonnie. Bonnie, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Good afternoon. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. How can, I, I, how I don't can we know help? If you, well, I, uh, three years ago, lost my husband. And Sorry. At the, same, at the same time, I retired. Oh, boy. And two weeks later, he passed away. Oh, gosh. So it ended up, ended up that um, I received his Social Security. I was only 63. Okay. I ended up being able to take his Social Security and I have a pen, two pensions. I worked for a school district for 22 years. Okay. And um, I have a 403B. And the gal that was in charge of it, um, I listened to you guys quite a bit and um, learned what I needed to do to retire and to be in a good position. If something happened to me, he would be taken care of. And that's what the 403B was for. Okay. Um, then the, the gal, you, you had told that I should uh, pay my house off, which I did. I have no bills. I okay. have nothing. I'm a, in much better position than I was when I was working. And um, she told the, the gal that was taking care of this wanted to move it out of the 403B to a company. Okay. And at the, at the time I, I just wasn't in the, in a place that I could decide that. That was smart. Now I'm, yeah. Now I'm feeling like I need to deal with it, but I don't know if it's, um, it, what kind of decision I should make. So, so, uh, so let's, let's, so you have no, you owe no one in the world money. And you're no receiving one. a pension from your working for 22 years yeah. at a school district and, and your husband's social security. And presumably you'll transfer off your husband's social security. Oh, you may not have actually been eligible for social security. Were you eligible for social security yourself? I, I was because I turned 63. Okay. But you're going to, you're going to stay on your husband's until as long as possible until age 70. Um, until and, I'm yes. Yeah, and if yours was higher, then you'll revert to yours. If not, you'll continue on the uh, widower's pan. Yes. So, right. how much money is in the four hundred three b? It's only a hundred and seventy thousand. And what I, I I exceeded my goal to make sure that he was taken care of, and, and it's got a hundred seventy thousand to be state. You know, to make sure that. He got to stay in the house. That, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And what do they want you to move said, it by to? By the way, Bonnie, you said only. I'm thinking uh, you, you were able to get your house paid off. You you worked for a school district. I'm presuming not because they paid a huge wage. Right. <laughs> um, but you, close but, to home. But they had, a, they had a pension, right? So yeah. you, you chose that route. So I would call that a... a, a, a a way of savings as well. Yes. And so, so don't knock yeah. yourself up. The, the 170 uh, in the 403B, what uh, I presume they want to move it to an IRA. I do not know. She just wanted to move me to a company. And that was a red flag to me. She also, when I asked her, because you guys have made it very clear that you should know what you're being charged. 
Yes. I, I couldn't get a straight answer. It, then, oh, well, that's a red they, flag. Right that is there. a red flag. And what was the name of the company they wanted to move it to? I don't remember. It's okay. been a couple of years it's probably now. Insurance. I, yeah. I didn't do it. I yeah. didn't do it. And how's it allocated today? How's it, how's it set it, up? It's, um, it's, she said it's very well diverse. That, that's, see, that's the problem. He was, my husband was disabled. So he was a full-time job for me there. Mm, okay. And, and I worked full-time at the school district. So I didn't have time to understand this all. Got it. So but all I, all I know is she told me it was, it was in a medium diverse yes account. so so yeah, scott pointed out what scott pointed out he said an annuity he just said it i don't know if all the listeners heard it but he said an annuity and so i i presume that you're in a 403b now which is a form of annuity uh what's what what company is it with now it is with in Invesco. okay which is out of Kansas City. Oh, maybe it's the 403B7. They're mutual. It funds. might be. It might be. It's, so I don't, it, I don't remember ever being a seven, but you could be right. Well, if they own mutual funds, it's that's anyway. It's, it's, it's most likely a 403B7. So, so if you're my my sixth sister, Bonnie, I would say yeah. one, you don't really know how it's allocated. Two, it's all with one company. I would say you you have the option of setting up an IRA and having a highly diversified. Not only amongst different types of investments, but different fun, different companies within that. So Vanguard, etc. Right. So you can get some broad diversification off that. And then, really, the kind of how it's invested depends upon two things. One, when might you want some money or need some money from that account? And and I, I don't see ever having to do that unless. Well, I have to fix something on the house. Uh, which you, you will at some point in time, and you're required right. uh, to start taking money out by 75. Yeah, it'll be 70. At, at your age yeah, today. Yeah, they went up. So, <laughs> and, and what kind of scares me about this person a little bit is they recommended this soon after your husband died? Yeah, it's soon after I had asked her what her costs were, what it was um, costing okay. me. You need to go, yeah. you, you need professional advice, um, and you okay. obviously are not comfortable taking the advice of the person that's been talking to you, and there, there are many, many people, you want to go to a fee-based financial advisor and pay them for an asset management fee. There's not much financial planning that you need done other than to make sure that well, you have- a little, like what, how much of this should be earmarked for expenditures that we can- Presume we're going to know about that's that's right. So, how much if we need to take a distribution? Are we going to take a distribution? And does it actually make sense to start taking a distribution prior to age seventy-five and converting it over to a Roth IRA a little bit at a time? So, there's a little bit of financial planning that needs to be done there. But the reality is, you need to find someone that you can trust um, that can explain to you what you're investing in and why, and most certainly how they're going to charge you. Because they're not doing it for free. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen people come to my office and say, oh, I bought this annuity because it doesn't charge anything. And I said, that's yeah. why that person was driving the BMW. Because they <laughs> make no money. Yeah. So yeah. you need to kind of go out. Uh, I, I, I Forget what that person said. Go out and find yourself a good financial. Fee-based uh, fee advisor. Someone who doesn't sell products. That's someone that doesn't sell products. So, but you've done a great job. Um, you just don't want to make sure you don't want to mess it up now. Okay. Also, I've got a pretty good savings and I thought, can I still re can I still contribute to something? And what no, how much do you have in savings? Almost 200,000. Okay. Oh, wow. Well, there's, there's, <clears throat> there is some financial planning. There is some financial planning. <laughs> and this most certainly would, uh, bode why you should actually consider converting some of this to a Roth today. Uh, especially okay. if you've got the money to pay yeah. the tax liability and that money is, uh, is probably sitting in the local bank. Uh, you can be yeah. earning three to four times as much money uh, in U S treasuries or, or another fixed money market, money market account. So yeah, reach out and find yourself a good financial advisor. So appreciate the call. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you very much. All right, Bonnie, it's wish you well. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, we're now going to talk to Jose in Illinois. Jose, you're with all worth money matters. Yes, um, we want to uh, pay 
uh, an additional 10,000 aside from the thousand extra that we do monthly. Okay. Um, so what is, what is the cost of, what is the outstanding balance on your loan? The outstanding balance on the unpaid principal is 173,000. Okay. And what's the interest rate? 3.5%. And what's the um, value of the home? Uh, the value of the home is is over six six hundred thousand. Uh, it, it last time was assessed was a couple of years ago, and it was well over six hundred thousand. And how old are you? I am sixty seven as of a few days ago. And um, is and well, happy birthday! And how old Thank is you. your spouse? My spouse is a year younger than okay. I am. She's sixty six. And are you both retired? Yes, we both are. And how many years are you into this mortgage? Uh, I, uh, I'm not recalling how many years because we made the mistake of refinancing all those other times for all the reasons that people generally do to acquire more <laughs> right. money, pay off other things. Now you're retiring uh, like, dang, I wish we had not done that. How, do you owe anyone else in the world any money? No, no, no. We're, um, the more, uh, I mean, aside from our credit card companies, which are basically, uh, one that's uh, affiliated with an airline under a chase mm-hmm. and the other one um, uh, um, savings warehouse in, in, in the city, which is a, uh, which is a city bank one. Um, we are on the average about $6,500 per month. And it's not because we, yep. we uh, uh, enjoy, enjoy the debt, but uh, we like to benefit from the, yep. from yeah. the benefits that those. Yeah. You put everything on the credit card. Yeah. And then you pay it off every yep. month. So how much money do you have in the bank? In the bank, we have uh, over 103000 in our savings. And then uh, we also have uh, uh, investments, uh, at least mine, in the tune of about 333000 My wife, I can't, I can't uh, pin that down because I uh, can't find uh, uh, the folder that's not okay. in the right place. Okay. Yeah. And are you, uh, what, do you have a pension? Yes. Yes, I do, and so does my wife. Okay, so why, why do you want to take ten thousand? Why? What? Yeah, why is it ten thousand, and why not a hundred thousand or zero? I see. No, that's. Uh, a, I mean, that's I'm curious. You, what, what are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. Uh, because uh, from from what my wife related to me, uh, she had heard uh, a few days ago because uh, there was some talk, and 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 I'm I'm not certain who would be who the uh, participants were. Yeah. Um, because I, I couldn't find uh, days old uh, programs to uh, pinpoint who Got actually it. said that it's a good idea to, to make a big lump principal payment. I wouldn't okay. pay. I wouldn't pay any of this off. Here's no, what I would do. I wouldn't either. If you had two fifty in the bank, then I might say pay yeah. the thing off, but you don't want to take all your cash. Still wouldn't pay the mortgage off. Uh, at this point, he, I, I, here's what I would do. I would go to bankrate.com, bankrate.com, and go. There's a button that says high yield savings. Click on that, and it will give you some online banks that pay very, very high yields that are FDIC insured. And you will find one that pays more than 3.5% interest. And I know that okay. because I looked for myself two days ago and there was one that was paying 3.75 and another that was paying 3.9. So okay. I'm sorry. I might, be, yeah, I might be a little confused. Um, the interest rate that I refer to as 3.5 is what we're paying on the That's loan. right. The, but what I'm, what and we're going to, we're going to do is we're going to take your hundred thousand dollars in the bank and it's going to earn more than 3.5. Sure. So you're actually making I, money I, I by not paying it off. Yeah, I thought about that, but it's been kind of a hard sell um, in terms of, of, of not having all that money in the bank. I, I don't like the idea of that. No, 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 no. no, no. no, no. We're it's in the, it bank. the bank. It's all in the bank. It's just not in the bank that you have uh, down the street anymore. It's still in the bank. No, I agree with you. That's that's my understanding. What you said is, is that there's a better online uh, way of getting a higher yeah. yield. And what, we're current, what we currently have sitting, uh, earning pennies and- Then why wouldn't you do that? Money to the bank. That's right. So as an example, it, in FDIC, if you go to bankrate.com and look at savings, they're all FDIC. 
If you go right now and put that $100,000 in PNC Bank, it's going to pay 4%. And it is FDIC. It's the same risk as the money you have at your local bank right now. You make an extra half a percent by actually keeping that money for yourself and not paying down that mortgage. Now, you might call us in a year or two years or three years, and our advice may differ. But right now, the interest rate that you're paying is lower than what you're getting in a bank account. So the risks are equivalent. My guess is these rates are going to go up from four to four and a half to even 5% at the bank account, which would make even more of an argument not to pay this thing off. And and even I think an even greater argument, Jose, is that if you were 47 – then it's all right, let's figure out a strategy to have your home paid off by the time you're retired. But you're 67. So even if you put this, you put the 10 grand down, it's not going to change your monthly payment. Your monthly payment's going to be the same. You're not going to get this thing paid off, at least not while you're a young man. I mean, it might be 20 years from now by the time the thing's paid off. So, like, what's the point? There's no real point, particularly when you could earn a little bit more and say having a safe FDIC account than what you're paying. So, so hope appreciate, that helped. Appreciate Glad you the uh, call. Well, hey, uh, before we sign off here, uh, I want to let everyone know we've got a financial planning virtual workshop we're calling Now to Next. And in this, you'll learn some proven investment strategies. I think this may be particularly important in this <laughs> time frame. Uh, really to s- figure out if you're saving enough for a potential retirement, uh, some money, ways to save money on taxes, some Social Security mistakes that uh, people make that you want to avoid, uh, how to balance living for today while saving for tomorrow. Um, and so if if any of those topics are of interest to you, we've got uh, three different times for this virtual workshop. Tuesday, February 14th at noon Pacific. Thursday, February 16th at noon Pacific. And Saturday, February 18th at noon Pacific. And you're thinking, what did he just say? Uh, you can go to allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshop. Did I make a mistake? Yeah, so Saturday the 18th is at 10 a.m. 10 a.m. Not noon. February so the 14th at noon, February the 16th at noon, all Pacific. Saturday the 18th at 10 a.m. Virtual workshop. Yeah. Anyway, we're out of time. It's been great being with you. This has been Allworth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.